Hey. Hey, everyone. This is David Garbett, the Executive Director of O2 Utah, and welcome to your favorite time of the week, another episode of O2 and You. And uh, today joining me is Tom Mills with Creative Energies Solar. Tom is a policy advocate, um, sells. What else do you do with Creative Energies, Tom? Uh do we do initial layout and design for uh, residential and commercial and nonprofits? So can we call you the Renaissance man of creative energy solar? <laughs> there's, there's actually, there's actually a general few Renaissance man. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. We're going to talk about rooftop solar in Utah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, love the topic. Before we jump into it, tell us a little bit about you. Um, sure. How did you end up working in solar? Yeah. Um, let's see. I landed in Utah in 91 from Pennsylvania, went to school back there at Penn State. Uh, worked in the ski and whitewater industry for a number of years. And then uh, pursued my own photography and frame making business, which was was doing okay. And uh, then the housing bubble hit. And I tried to ride that storm out, wait to see if my my clients were going to come back and then three years had passed and they, it, you know, that kind of revenue and, and thinking just wasn't there anymore. That consumer was gone. It was such a hard hit for people. Um, so I knew I had to sort of reinvent myself and uh, dusted off my electronics degree and started pounding the pavement, uh, submitting resumes to different solar companies. Um, solar is something I followed way back in college. I wrote, I wrote a paper on the greenhouse effect and, and the uh, computer models that were being used at the time to study it. So yeah, in 2014, um, I landed a job with a solar company up in Park City and learned so much from those guys. And uh, in 2017, I, I landed with Creative Energies and now we're at 2021. So it's hard to believe how much time has flown by since I've been in the industry. And just quickly, is that, uh, are you showing some of your old handiwork there behind you, that Calf Creek Falls oh, photo yeah. and frame? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was shooting medium format film so you could blow up real big and, and keep the, the grain, the quality of the grain real sharp. Great photo. Thank cool. you. Cool. Um, well, let's, let's talk about it. Rooftop solar. Uh, you know, I think I want to cover today. What's the big deal? Why are people, you know, why are there always these fights that are happening? So we've got to run through some of the background and talk yeah. about where we are today. Um, tell us about rooftop solar. I mean, it seems like somebody hasn't been following this other than there's always something in the news about public service commission, Rocky mountain power, right. Credit net metering. Um, yeah. where do we start with this? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I guess we could start back in the mid two thousands. Um, solar was still expensive. You, you, you didn't have uh, a whole lot of electrons in a solar panel. In other words, they weren't a high watt rated panel. Um, and uh, Utah Clean Energy picked up the cause and was able to implement net metering in Utah. And uh, what does that mean? What is net metering when people hear that? Yeah, so net metering is uh, a label for how somebody who puts solar on their roof is compensated for any solar they export back onto the grid. And net metering actually translates to one for one. So, uh, so essentially net metering is this idea that unlike a typical customer that just has electricity flowing to the home, if I have a solar panel, there are times of the day when I'm producing more electricity than I use, and that's coming out of my home to my right. neighbors. Yep. And it's tracking the direction, and I get credit. Yeah. As and I should when my neighbors use my power. 
And right. then that credit comes back to me when, you know, I'm taking power from the grid. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a swap. You, you export whatever the house isn't using from the solar during the day. And at night, the, uh, the agreement was you could pull that export back from the grid and not be charged anything. So the one you gave out during the day for the neighbor to use, you got back from the grid at night. Gotcha. So this is, and why is that important to the growth of rooftop solar? Um, so it, 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 allowed, it allowed homeowners at the time to invest in their own energy production system uh, along with some tax incentives, right? And, and I just want to talk briefly about tax incentives because mm -hmm. I hear, I hear talk out there about, well, you're, it's being subsidized. This is, this is one of the rare instances where the federal government says to each one of us, hey, these are your tax dollars. How would you like to spend your tax dollar? And they get to apply it to that, that solar. So at the time, that incentive was 30%. Um, and, and that is, so again, there are a few things going on here. One is what does Rocky Mountain Power give me back when I produce electricity that they use and charge my neighbor full rate for? Right. And then the other is as a customer, when I buy those panels, that's the big expense, right? You gotta yeah. pay money up front. The federal government has had a tax credit where they say, David, you um, spent $10,000 on the system. You get a credit of? 3,000, right? 30% okay. total cost of the project. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. And um, that, that allowed a homeowner to recoup some costs for basically the way, the way you said it. Yeah, they're, they're buying 25 plus years of energy all at once is essentially what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, when you look at this one for one net metering, that swap, that meant, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting whatever the retail value is at that time on the grid, you're right, that, that uh, kilowatt hour produced by the grid, I'm just getting that back because of the solar that I put out earlier in the day. So whatever those uh, rates might be, as we know, the way Utah is structured for residential, it's a certain tier for the first 400 from 401 to 999 is more expensive. And then anybody who uses more than a thousand in a month pays um, the most you can for a kilowatt hour. So you needed that, that swap so you could make that investment worthwhile. So you, you were actually getting your money back within a certain time frame, and then saving money over time with your energy savings because you're locking in. And the concept, yeah, the concept here is that um, going back to the 2000s, and I mean, I went through this process and uh, I mean, we know that most people are putting solar on their roof because they do a straight up financial calculation. They sit down and they say, how much would it cost to put solar panels on my roof? And that could be, let's just say, maybe somewhere between 10 or $20,000. Because like you said, they're paying, they're purchasing energy for the next 25 years. Yeah. And I look at, okay, there's a government tax credit. So actually the system, the sticker price is 10,000 with a tax credit, it'll go down to seven. And then I compare that to what my electricity bill typically would be. And I can say, you know, I'm over the course of the year, my solar panels will produce just as much electricity as I typically use. So it's gonna offset all of my costs. It'll take me this many years to pay that back. Right. And, you know, that that's what I went through. That's what isn't that what your customers yeah, look at we, when they're making a decision about adding we, solar. What what's happening and what's happening is we're seeing three categories of customers come to us. One is 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 for that financial, right? Um, you know, can I invest in my own energy producing system and 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 have it pay for itself and generate a savings. Another is folks that are, are coming at it from an environmental point of view. And yeah, the, the energy savings is great and the payback is, is a bonus, but their, their primary concern is 
what can I do to help reduce my carbon footprint? And then the third client that's out there is the one that wants to be self-reliant. Hmm. They want, they don't, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole idea or concept of, of having to rely on this big grid infrastructure doesn't appeal to them. Um, granted, they still need to be connected to the grid right now because the grid is acting as their storage, but it, it, they're taking a step towards energy independence. Yeah, I think one of the things that is remarkable here, so we've laid out, you know, why do people put solar on their on their roof? What is kind of necessary to make that decision? Because part of the problem is if you have a solar panel, the times when you produce most of your energy, um, you're going to produce a lot more than you need. And right now in this state, uh, how many, what percentage of homes have solar? Yeah, unfortunately that, that percentile keeps sliding backwards instead uh -huh. of forwards. Um, right now there are currently about 36,000 homes with solar on them. But when you look at, and I'd say when, when solar was peaking in maybe 2016, it was approximately almost a 3% market penetration. Mm. If you look at just number of single family homes. Right. Okay. Just so now we're down probably about under two percent, one percent, one percent. Yeah, we're below two percent. Part of the the question there is the guy. You can imagine a scenario where we all have rooftop solar. The middle of the day, we produce way more electricity than we need, and that's just kind of wasted. Right. Right now, with three percent of the homes, two percent of the homes, or one percent of the homes, when you produce that excess power, it's getting used. Oh yeah. It's not wasted electricity. We're at this low adoption rate. So it's valuable to the system. And the great thing about it is that other customers benefit because rather than having to build 600 miles of power lines to carry power from a remote power plant or a remote wind farm, um, literally just need that line connecting from my house to my neighbor and yeah. saves a lot of money on this infrastructure. So there are a lot of net benefits. We'll talk about those a little bit more. In, you know, coupled with this, we've had this really great story. I feel like it's one of the most positive stories on the climate front because there's a lot of bad news there, but the rate at which the cost of renewables has dropped, I think outstrips probably what everybody thinks it is. If they think they know what the price of panels are, they think they know what it costs to produce wind energy, yeah. usually they're, they're five years behind the times and those prices have dropped exponentially. I mean, I think, what would you say? I got my panels in 2016. How much has the price of panels dropped since then? Yeah, geez. When I got into the industry, I'm going to do some some quick quick math here. Um, We're going to get the exact calculations. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say it's it's dropped. We're talking we're talking forty percent, and and in some cases even more since I got in the wow. industry for a price per watt for a panel. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and that was, remind us again, the year you got in? 2014. So from 2014, 2014. to now, okay. yep, it's dropped about 40%. Um, yeah. So when you go to these customers and you tell them, here's what your panels will cost, in some cases, that's almost half today what it would have cost back when you started. For, for, for the panels. Yeah, because there's yeah you know, right. The I get the labor no, and some the, of the other the racking the panels themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really helpful. I mean, that's just that's really incredible. Well, that is that is the primary reason why you saw this fundamental shift globally, uh, from countries, utility companies investing in solar farms, because that price reduction. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's allowing them to invest what, and, and, and build a solar farm and generate a kilowatt hour cheaper than what they could from, from coal. And it is now rivaling yeah, so natural gas. We've got this great story, Tom. Price of renewables decreasing quickly, the price of solar panels decreasing. Efficiency uh, going up. Customers like, yeah, customers like me and you saying, hey, I'll pay and put the system on and then my neighbors can use this power. I mean, not only that, it's clean energy. So we're not making air quality worse. Right. We're not producing carbon emissions. So where, what's the catch? Why, 
why wouldn't we be running towards this as fast as we can? Yeah, and you'll you'll hear you'll hear. And I should add, you know, it's an issue that the that conservatively minded people, liberally minded people, love, as you talked about that energy production. Um, people can be can move towards self sufficiency. You know, just one of those great issues that unites people across the political spectrum. So, what's the catch? Right. Uh, you, you would hear. What's the problem? Yeah, that I, I think the problem is competition, right? So for uh, for energy. So you you uh, utility companies in the state of you across the country never had to deal with personal ownership of energy production systems, and now they do, right? This technology is changing the way we've produced power for the last hundred years produce it at a, a big central location and push it out. And now um, people can actually buy it, put it on their roof and produce it and have it go right from their roof to their house. And whatever their house doesn't use, it just goes right next door. The, the vast majority of the solar kilowatt hours produced here in Utah never leave their neighborhood. It's only, mm. on, only in areas where the, the circuit a particular circuit gets close to like 15, 20% penetration, then it might be leaving the neighborhood and maybe going to a business or you know, somewhere else down the line. That's the only time it's, it's, it's leaving the neighborhood when you, when you get into a neighborhood and you just see solar everywhere. Yeah, so we've got this useful energy and really in practice, what it comes down to is that you have um, utilities, which are monopolies saying, uh-oh, Tom's producing power, David's producing power, I'm not producing power. Right. I see the writing on the wall where this is going. I don't, I don't like competition. I mean, I'm a monopoly. Yeah. Um, the shift. And yeah, but I mean, this is America, right? Our story for a long time has been skepticism towards monopolies and we, uh, we don't like that, right? Well, and, and Utah, especially Utah is always the, the, the motto here is always em embrace um, open market and competition, right? Whether you're Republican or Democrat, that's, that's always been a, a, a philosophy and um, solar technology challenges that position of a monopoly power company. And it's challenging the way we've traditionally compensated people for power and, and their accessibility to the grid. Um, and that's, that's another thing that's antiquated, right? Not only has this technology changed, but the, the grid needs to sort of change with it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, this issue can quickly become so complex, yeah. but it, it's also interesting because at the end of the day, there is literally no complexity to this. All you need to understand is that rooftop solar threatens the position of monopolies monopolistic power providers and they don't want that competition bottom line is and they, they really they'll find every reason in the sun under the sun to to pitch a different story but yes what it really comes down to is that yeah the bottom line is they don't want to see individual ownership of generating power and um i i you know i stayed involved with with uh the debate over the years and and one of the things i just found puzzling was this whole um, well, the neighbor who doesn't have solar is subsidizing the neighbor who does have solar. And uh, I have yet to see any numbers that can prove that. Um, and, I, and I even used, I, tr I tried to use their own, their own stipulation. At one time they were saying, you know, you had to be consuming about somewhere between 400 and $480 a year in order not to be subsidized. Well, they have this whole Watt Smart program that incentivizes a homeowner to conserve energy. I, I, I use very little at my house. So by their own math, um, I do not, I'm being subsidized because I don't use enough energy from the grid. I lost you there for just a second. You were saying on one hand, Rocky Mountain Power is saying we're worried about the subsidies and then the other they're paying people to become more efficient to use right. less energy. Yeah, and, and somebody, 
a household who's becoming more efficient and using less energy, if they're not using more than $480 of electricity worth per year, then even they are being subsidized by somebody else. Yeah. And Let's talk about, oh, Tom, just quickly. So before we go too far down this road, Rocky Mountain Power, as you said, monopoly, they don't like the competition. We've, you know, we know that rooftop solar, as we've talked about, has these great benefits. Um, and you know, especially here on the, the air quality, the climate front. How is it that Rocky Mountain Power in practice has chipped away? And how is it that other, I mean, cause it's always the same game plan, game plan um, with utilities and states. What do they do? Yeah. What have they done in Utah to make it unattractive if, if panel prices are decreasing? What are they doing to actually kill the industry? Yep. So what what what's happening is they're trying to devalue that solar kilowatt hour going back onto the grid. And um, they were successful. Uh, you know, everybody agreed that uh, three years ago they would settle on this. Okay, we'll change it from one from one and go to 9.2 cents while a study was conducted. The credit that a, a solar owner gets for excess power. Right. So uh, you were no longer going to get one for one. You were, get, you were going to get a flat rate. And that flat rate was based on what they assessed to be the average cost of a kilowatt hour consumed by a typical household, which they evaluated at 10.2 cents. So you saw a, a rate of 9.2 cents for every solar kilowatt hour exported back to the grid. And um, and that in comparison, so we started where any kilowatt hour of electricity I produced, I got a credit back where they just said, here's a kilowatt hour in back. exchange. Yep. And then lowered that to say, David, your, your electricity wasn't really useful to us. I mean, we charged your neighbor full rate, but we can't give you full rate. Yeah. And so they put it at about 90, 92% because the, the average retail rate at the time was about 10.2 cents. Correct, according to their to their evaluation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that, it, it, it impacted the industry uh, more, more so not in the actual payback period, but in confusion to the consumer, right? So now the consumer's like, wait, net metering is gone one for one. Now, now they're not giving me as much. And right. So when people are sitting down to talk with you or even before they talk to you to think about, they, does this pan out for me? They're like, I've heard that I'm not sure I can get a credit back. Something's wrong with this program. I don't yes. want to invest $20,000 dependent on not knowing what's going to happen in the future. And if I'm going to get credit for all the electricity that I give to the system and that my neighbors use and that Rocky Mountain Power charges. Right. Full so rate for. Yes. And, and if you think about it, all the solar companies operating in Utah only get what I would consider a stable market for for a certain number of years. And then a rate, a rate change is requested, right? By, by Rocky Mountain Power. And now that shakes up, shakes the floor that you've been operating on, shakes the confidence of the consumer and you see the interest go down. And uh, it, it's, it's, there, there's a great um, uh, government website that tracks the installs in Utah, in, in every state. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it clearly shows that when one for one net metering changed to the 9.2 cents, you saw the growth start to taper off. Yeah. And uh, you could see it tapering off for that three-year study or study period. Every year, it declined on number of houses being installed with solar. And then the the most so after that three-year study, um, there was a, a hearing in front of the Public Service Commission, and all vested parties got together and presented their cases. Uh, as just quickly on this, Tom, because again, this we get in the weeds so quick on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Monopolies hate solar. They're trying to fight it. And the way they do that in practice is they, they don't these monopolies solar. are regulated. They're regulated by an entity, the Public Service Commission. And this Public Service Commission exists to say, because you're a monopoly and you don't have competition, we are here for the public interest. 
we will tell you what an acceptable rate is that you can charge. Here's what you can charge customers. That's their mandate. And right. Rocky Mountain Power has gone to the Public Service Commission, if I have this right, and said, you need to don't make us give this full rate. And they'll come up with some of the things that we've talked about. They're saying, oh, you know, yeah, there's this is actually subsidies from other people. But this is what we're talking about, right? This process where the Public Service Commission evaluates that. And even prior to that three-year study period, uh, they came to the rate commission on a yearly basis with some sort of proposed change, which once again just yeah. shakes the the that market floor that the solar companies in Utah operate on. And and it's all it was constantly shaking the the confidence of the consumer. So you're fighting every year on. Um, Rocky Mountain Power is going to the Public Service Commission and saying, you got to reconsider this. An entity that exists by the grace of you know, this public allowance that they are a monopoly, they can turn around and spend ridiculous amounts of money on lobbyists, on regulatory efforts. That's who you're going up against, right. small companies that do this, that are doing um, solar installs. You're going against somebody who can put serious money towards yeah. this year in, year out, as they talk about in political science, uh, agency capture. So yep. the agency that is supposed to regulate an entity ends up just serving the needs of the entity that they're supposed to regulate. Um, so that's yeah. who you're fighting. And just recently in 2020, Rocky Mountain Power was added again. They there was a, you were expecting a decision from the Public Service Commission that would basically decide can net metering can can net metering continue in the sense will we give Tom credit or future Toms credit if they install panels on their roof for excess power? Right, that's where we are. It, it, the credit in twenty twenty. Yes, the credit will will be there, but what is that value? That monetary value of that credit, and they've just yeah. been ch chipping away at it and reducing it. So, what did Rocky Mountain Power say? Like what did they, what they, was their argument about why we shouldn't credit homeowners with this? Um, their point was that they could go to an open market or produce, and, and just one small correction, they, they don't hate solar, they love solar, but only if they own it and control it, right? Sure. Um, but what, what they wanted, wanted to do um, essentially was say, look, we can go to the open market and get a kilowatt hour, whether it's wind, solar, wherever, for about a penny and a half. And that's what we should be giving any homeowner that exports solar, the, the pure wholesale rate. And what, what that assumption did not account for was, okay, yeah, that's, that's where that solar that kilowatt hour was produced what's it going to cost to get that kilowatt hour to its end load mm -hmm. right so your transmission your voltage drop and yeah because again if you have the power and i can use it and i live next door then we don't need that power line don't need the power from milford no, to bring it here use, yeah you're just using yeah. the local lines within your neighborhood not those big expensive uh, oversized cables to transmit voltage over long long distance um so they weren't they weren't taking those things into account and they were also not factoring in avoided costs right because we're seeing a big growth here in utah and for every home that went solar you could build a new home and not put an additional burden on our energy supply right we're just sort of doing a one for one um and now with with our, our market penetration sliding, we're creating a bigger demand of energy overall for the state of Utah. And in order for them to provide that energy, it's gonna cost more than that penny and a half. Right. Right. Um, whether it requires building a whole big solar farm or uh, another gas generation facility, um, I don't think we're gonna see a new coal plant Come, come online anywhere in the country ever again. Um, but you know, if you lump that in there, those would all cost the consumers a lot of money up front for them to make that initial investment. 
So anytime a homeowner goes solar, they're helping avoid those, those costs in the future. And there were a few entities that actually quantified those costs. Now, Rocky, like you said, Rocky Mountain Power came in and said, hey, we can buy this power from California at a much slower rate. These that came in and said, we'll do the math because they aren't. And how much do his neighbors that don't benefit, right? Because there was this theory, Rocky Mountain Power was saying it's a subsidy, um, which in theory, in theory could be true. Um, I mean, this is the thing that they're so savvy about taking something with a kernel of truth yeah. and then dragging it to their means. So in theory, that could be true. But we had two different entities look at Utah specifically. Uh, Vivint Solar did an estimate and then we had Vote Solar. Um, yeah. What did those studies say? Is it a subsidy? Where do the benefits flow from having rooftop solar? Yeah, so the, the Volt Solar analysis basically said, if we consider all of these transmission costs, avoided costs, just, just the tangibles, right? That the Public Service Commission on Rocky Mountain Power seems so focused on, they also included economic benefits right? All the jobs that were created mm -hmm. in Utah with solar, and these were good paying jobs. Um, the tax yeah. base, right? So uh, uh, if you sell a typical solar system for $20,000, that's a pretty good state tax that's going right back to the state of mm -hmm. Utah. Uh, along yeah. with whatever state tax that employee is paying for his or her salary. Increasing so, the property value of the homes that we're putting yeah, these panels on. Yep. So there's there's a lot of economic benefits that were ignored, and those those are those are tangible. You can measure those, right? You can measure that by so job. Vivint. Yeah, Vivint's calculation said that basically the benefits that you Tom having solar provide to the general customer that doesn't are essentially the same as what it costs to provide you with power. Yeah. So they said it was essentially a wash. I think a more in-depth study on this was the one that Volt Solar did, and they gained access to um, information from 3,300 different rooftop installations here in Utah. So again, taking us from the theory like, oh, we could see a case where maybe this is a subsidy. They said, you know what, we're actually going to measure this. We're going to see looked at 3,300 rooftops and found that in Utah now and for the foreseeable future, you having rooftop solar, if we're only considering basically the bookkeeping for Rocky Mountain Power, provides more value than what they would charge you on a kilowatt hour basis. And then if we look at really the value to Utahns in general, because we've talked about some really important things that frankly Rocky Mountain Power does not care about and they don't quantify in their economics, clean air, public health. Like you talked about those jobs. Um, you know, there's a lot of people employed in solar in Utah. We have the second highest rate per capita of jobs in solar. And in fact, I think the thing that to me was surprising is that Utah County has three quarters of those jobs in Utah. Yeah. They actually employ more people in solar than are employed in this state directly in coal mining and coal fired power. More people working in solar in Utah County alone yeah. than in those fields in yeah, all of Utah. All all um, and, and so the they found under that, that analysis, it was twice, basically whatever, you know, you would pay for power, a rooftop solar owner was providing twice the return. So in, in, in reality, rooftop solar owners are subsidizing the state. When, when, when you looked at, if you included, um, you know, other things too, like energy portfolio, right? So now we have, it, it, it's, it's considered distributed generation. Anytime you have on-site energy being produced, that's how they categorize it. What does that mean, distributed generation? It, it, it means that, that that energy is actually being produced and used on-site, which is your house. And then if there's four houses down with solar on it, they have distributed generation on their roof. Um, so you have power generated in more than just one spot. Right. Uh, and there's, there's a big benefit to that, 
because uh, when you have solar spread throughout the valley, that means when it's a, a partly cloudy day, uh, not all the solar is being shut down, right? That mm -hmm. cloud that cloud hits the solar farm. It's 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 really dramatically reducing its production. But because you have these little patches of solar farms all over the place on rooftops, um, yeah, one one household might be getting shaded, but the other one isn't. So there's there's that benefit. But when you factor in when Volt Solar factored in all the economic and environmental benefits, and I know environmental benefits can be a nerve for some people, um, health benefits, right? But- uh, They're not a nerve for me. They sound great. Yeah, and they're not a nerve, and they're not a nerve for uh, phys physicians for clean air. They, they can, <clears throat> they right. measure the cost of treating asthma, right? They measure the cost of, of lung disease and so forth from pollution. So that, that came back at like 20, somewhere between 22 and 24 cents is what uh, a homeowner yeah. should have been compensated for exporting their, their renewable clean. Yeah, and this is 22 cents per kilowatt, 22.2 yes. per kilowatt hour compared much to the rate than, that Rocky Mountain Power would charge you, which is 10.2. Right. So that was, it was a much yeah. higher value than one for one net metering, right? Just that even swap. Um, and then if you- Yeah, but to jump back up, Tom, Tom, to jump back up to the higher level. So two, in, in 2020, last year, the Public Service Commission was considering this request from Rocky Mountain Power, where Rocky Mountain Power said, you got to reevaluate rooftop solar. It's not working for us. <laughs> for us, yeah. They did that. They came forward and said, you know, this power, it's super cheap. Don't give much of a credit. Vote Solar and others came in and said, well, actually when you're in the numbers, no, there's a huge benefit. So what did the Public Service Commission did, do, sorry. So the, the Public Service Commission, unfortunately, we, we knew they, they didn't wanna take on the, the health and environmental, um, but we thought we could really focus on the economics, right? Because we can we could stack the 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 revenue being generated for the state and taxes versus this this compensation this loss in compensation for the the solar kilowatt hour and, and how they would compare and if you if we just focused on that it came down to like sixteen cents a kilowatt hour to be exported back onto the grid from from a solar uh, generated home. And unfortunately, the Public Service Commission said it's not within their scope to consider energy portfolio, diversity of energy, um, the economics. They ignored all of that and just stayed focused on hard costs. And that's where they came up with, it, instead of going to 1.5 cents, it went to roughly 5.7 cents. And so right the upshot there, the upshot there is the Public Service Commission said, moving forward, if someone installs solar and they provide excess power, rather than giving them a credit, basically we just say, Tom, you know, you gave us one kilowatt hour. Here's one for you. We're not going to charge you. Yeah, that that that's Back. that doesn't exist anymore. Now it's just, hey, you you're giving us a kilowatt hour to the grid for the neighbor to use. Well, we're going to compensate you five point seven cents for it. Right, and again, we're charging your neighbor full rate, but we're going to give you yeah. lower. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so it's it's a way it's a way for Rocky Mountain Power to acquire a, a solar kilowatt hour, mark it up to whatever, whatever that rate might fall to for that neighbor next door, right? Whether it's eight and a half cents, um, 11 and a half cents or 15 cents, depending on what, what day of the month they're at using their energy. Yeah. Uh, so this is a way for Rocky Mountain Power to profit without making zero investment. Yeah. I mean, the irony here, I can't, I can't help but, but bring this up, Blue Skies program and also their, their solar um, program. Whereas a customer and I signed up for this, 
the idea of, you know, if I came up short, my goal was to have solar on my roof and produce the same amount that I used in a year. But if there was a shortfall, I wanted to have it be part of their utility scale solar. But I have to pay extra for that power, even though in these filings, they've acknowledged this stuff's really cheap. And in fact, you know, Rocky Mountain Power has the largest percentage of their fleet still dependent on coal of any major power producer in the country. And by their own admission, solar at this point is cheaper than the large majority of their coal fleet. And yeah. so even though I'm, I've agreed to purchase power from a source that is cheaper than their average cost of producing power, they get to mark that up. Yeah. But they've somehow convinced the Public Service Commission, actually, we got to charge more for this. Yeah, uh, that 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 uh, solar program that they experimented with, I think, was a 20 megawatt solar farm, and they were selling 200 kilowatt hour blocks, um, and you could purchase as many of those 200 kilowatt hour blocks as you wanted, but by their own admission, that value was 12.4 cents. That's what that's what you were being charged for this renewable, mm -hmm. you know, solar generated kilowatt. So. Yeah, I mean, they logical inconsistency, but here we are then public service commission, the entity that has been tasked with representing our interests basically says, hey, you know, this isn't really good for Rocky Mountain Power's bottom line. So we're really going to cut this back and we're going to cut it in half of what it should be. Not only that, they said, and we could change it every year. Yeah. So that if anybody's considering, and, and we talked about this, when you're considering solar, it's a 25-year investment. And if you don't know what return you're getting next year and the following year, it really changes because you say, you know, this is great. I want to do the right thing. But if my power is going to my neighbors for free for the next 24 years, this just doesn't make sense for me. And, yeah. and that's where we are with the Public Service Commission's decisions. And there's, yep. And there's a, there's a fundamental flaw in that. Um, we don't even we don't even subject the consumer here in Utah to an annual assessment of what they're going to be paying for a kilowatt hour from the grid. Yeah. Right. So we could go we could go four years without any kind of rate change, um, and then maybe a, either a small increase or decrease would be uh, proposed, and it would have to go through the Public Service Commission to be approved. And they <laughs> so even you know. Standard practice says you're going to have a couple of years before you have to revisit a cost, and they're they're not doing that here. They want it they want it to be done annually. It it, it doesn't make sense. So this is this is what I was talking about the playbook that we've seen elsewhere, and because other states have experienced this, yeah. regulated monopolies that can spend essentially unlimited amounts of money on lobbyists and lawyers to work on these rates eventually succeed. And they eventually convince all of these regula the, the regulators that they should only look at this question with the most narrow of perspective, yeah. which surprise, surprise is the benefit to the regulated monopoly. Um, you know, we watched this in Nevada just two years before Utah, their regulator did the same thing, killed the industry overnight. Fortunately, legislators came and saved it um, so what can be done in Utah? We've had this decision from our regulators that looks for all intents and purposes to essentially kill the rooftop solar industry in Utah because it takes away certainty. How can you make a, a large investment without certainty? And it reduces that rate of return. Because again, people are putting this on saying, oh, I can save money, I can spend money today to save it for the next 25 years. Now it's like, well, I can spend it today, but I'm not sure that this is going to pay off. What can be done about this? What, what we want to see, there is language in the Public Service Commission's oath that states that they should be considering things like energy portfolio, energy diversity, um, economic, economic welfare of the state. There's language in there that says they, they, they can take a look at those things if they want to. But they feel like it's 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 suggestive language, and that it's really not their responsibility. And they they feel like it it's that responsibility falls upon the legislators. So what can be done is one of two things. 
either the legislators can take this upon themselves, but that's really sort of out of their field of you know expertise, um, where they're they're mo mostly trying to to propose law. Um, what they should be doing is going back to the Public Service Commission and saying, look, we want you to consider the economic welfare of the state. We want you to look at all of the jobs created, all of that tax base that's created from this industry. We want you to consider that. And even if they, if they just go that far, it'll be a big win for the homeowner. But they should also, I just don't see how you can continue to ignore the, the, the health and environmental benefits of having a, a renewable, a clean renewable kilowatt hour being produced locally. I can't emphasize that enough, being yeah. produced locally. Um, so really we need legislation where the legislature says, this is a public concern. You know, we need to think about more than just Rocky Mountain Power's books. We need to think about all these benefits that you've talked about in terms of clean energy being produced locally send the public service commission back to the drawing board to evaluate this essentially in the public interest rather than in rocky mountain powers interest yes and now they're going to have to they're it's going to be a lot more homework for them they're going to have to you know do some analysis and crunch the numbers How, what are the sales like in in utah for residential solar um and what they should do is go back and look at some of those sales when it was one for one yeah. Okay. Instead of just looking but there's, at there, Yeah, but it's an analysis that looks at a broader perspective than right. just how does this pencil out for Rocky Mountain Power? It is. Yeah. And, and you and, are your your job is to look out for the public interest. And when we say public interest, it's it is air quality. It is the jobs that these produce. It is that energy um it's, it's the homeowner diversity it's all of these things yeah it's yeah, the homeowner so. having a right to to purchase and own their own power it's 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 a homeowners or a utah's pathway to resiliency and self-reliance um you know this 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 current ruling is damaging that folks who may want to get solar and then in a couple of years as battery costs come down get battery storage for their home to help deal with what we clearly see are more frequent power outages yeah. and happening in bigger scales, right? We yeah. had the, the earthquake and the, and the downsloping wind event. And mm -hmm. during, during those two events, the phones in our office were ringing off the hook. Mm. That got people thinking, hey, how can I become more self-reliant and resilient against these phenomena that are happening? Gotcha. And this- so this will destroy that pathway. It, it, it won't be economically feasible for him to do it. So our hope is that this legislative session, we will see language doing just what we've, what you've outlined, telling the Public Service Commission, you need to think more broadly so that we can continue to see this, this industry um, survive, thrive, because we all benefit from it. Um, so what should people, People do once that legislation uh, comes out. We're hopeful that we'll see this next week. Yeah, you, uh, you, you're going to see people as long as they're aware of it. You're going to see people support it. Uh, there's a great the, the reason that solar companies in Utah have survived through all of this, right? All of these market shakeups, going up against a monopoly power company, is because consumers want it. Yeah. Utahns want it. There's a demand for this out there. Yeah. And interesting, uh, I was talking to somebody who works in government relation, and she commented on her observation that, you know, for all the work that professional lobbyists would do on this topic, that legislators, she felt like became more responsive by receiving one call from a constituent who said, I'm a homeowner, why can't I do this? You know, why, why was my neighbor able to do this two years ago and now I can't do it? Yeah. And that tended to get more legislators on board. And probably I, I, my guess would be the same thing for companies saying, hey, I'm employing five people in your district and this is what we do. And it, this opportunity is gonna go away. Yep, yeah, and, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen the, the decline. Um, <laughs> just, just trying to do some grassroots efforts and, and calling 
solar companies to to pay attention to what any language that might come out uh, in this legislative session. Um, roughly 35, 40% of the companies I reached out to were either gone or mm. they were uh, no longer operating in the, in the solar industry. Hmm. Already. Already, that sort of impact. Yeah. Well, we will keep people in the loop, uh, let them know uh, when and if that legislation comes out this session, hopefully can um, help us save the rooftop solar industry because we need that. I mean, we need to be advancing as quickly as we can on clean energy sources that are reducing the amount of carbon on the grid. And that's what rooftop solar does. And we know here in Utah, especially, we need clean air and uh, power coming from rooftop solar is part of that solution. So any last words, Tom? Yeah, I just want I, I just want to mention, you know, one additional salt in the wound is that <laughs> the, the utility company, right? They have all this money to use to lobby. Mm -hmm. They're using that money comes from us, right? Yeah. Money comes yeah. from their their rate pair. They're using our own money against us. Right. Right. And 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 how we can benefit from it. And that that's just the added salt in the wound there. But um, I would I would hope that anybody who is thinking about getting solar pays attention to any language that might come out in this legislative session that could help give the Public Service Commission the authority to look at the economic benefits. And if we do that, this this will be a win for for the Utah homeowner. Awesome. Tom, we will do our part to keep people in the loop. Um, our website, o2utah.org. Uh, we'll put information there and also on our socials or on all the socials. So yeah, hoping people will pay attention because it really is voices of companies like yours and constituents calling their legislators and saying, I want this opportunity. Um, this is how we, we stand a chance of getting some legislation like this. So Tom, thank you so much for your time. Everybody, listeners, thanks again for joining us on another episode of O2 and You. I'm your host, David Garbett. And until next time, farewell. Thanks for having me, David.